0: What informs your career choices? Do you trust your gut? Or do you trust others to help you with tough decisions? And once you take the plunge into the job market, what factors end up determining where you end up? These are the types of questions this week's guest, Natalia Bielczyk, is interested in and likes to reflect upon. In our conversation, we talked about her academic journey and discussed this whole question of navigating the job market as a PhD.
1: Don't try to think about jobs for PhDs as a separate category of jobs. Job market is one ecosystem, uh, in, and in this ecosystem every one of us has some role to play. It's a bit like laws of physics. There are certain rules that govern why certain salaries are higher than others, which is all based on how your value and value of your work is perceived by the rest of the society. I'm just trying to understand how the job market shapes, how it evolves, what are the rules, And I think this is a more... Actually, the problem of navigation in the job market is a more general problem. It's not only a problem of PhDs.
0: Welcome to Papa PhD with David Mendez, the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules. Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. Welcome to this week's episode of Papa PhD. This week, I'm really happy to have with me Natalia Bielczyk. Natalia is an entrepreneur, researcher, author, and philanthropist. She graduated from the College of Interfaculty Individual Studies in Mathematics and Natural Sciences at the University of Warsaw, Poland, with a triple MS title in Physics, Mathematics and Psychology. Thereafter, she obtained a PhD in Computational Neuroscience at the Donders Institute for Brain, Cognition and Behavior in Nijmegen, the Netherlands. In 2018, she launched a public foundation, Stichting Solaris Onderzoek en Ontwikkeling aiming to help early career researchers find new careers in industry. She also owns Welcome Solutions, a company developing new tools and practices to help professionals in navigating on the job market and finding or creating their dream jobs. Natalia recently authored a book entitled What is Out There for Me? The Landscape of Post-PhD Career Tracks, and she hosts Career Talks, an interview show with scientists on the Welcome Solutions YouTube channel welcome to papa phd natalia
1: thank you so much for invitation thank you so much david uh, great to great to meet you again
0: yeah and i'm uh, really really happy to have you here uh, and uh, but before going on with the interview and starting to to uh, let you share your story i just want to tell you who are listening that natalia has generously offered to give away five copies of her book to five of you out there, so uh, we will share a link later in the interview where you can enter your name for the draw. Uh, so stay with us and pay attention. So um, yeah, Natalia, thanks so much, and thanks so much for for uh, uh, for offering five of your books to the Papa PhD listeners. It's really appreciated. It's the first time I'm doing a giveaway, so it's exciting for me too. <laughs> um, but uh, now I think uh, it's time to hear your story. So. Uh, as, as I do usually at the beginning of the episodes, uh, I would just ask you to talk about your academic journey. And uh, in, in your intro, I've mentioned, uh, you know, a, a triple MS in uh, physics, mathematics, and psychology. Can you talk about that? And maybe also what led to that?
1: Um, yes, uh, again, uh, thank you so much for, for your invitation. I, I have to t- to admit that I'm a little bit nervous, like more than usual, because I usually I'm on the other side of the microphone, let's uh, so to speak, you know. Uh, so today, uh, so I usually uh, talk uh, with interesting people about their careers. Uh, and if I talk uh, as a speaker, I usually speak about uh, the problems, not necessarily about my own career. So I'm uh, a bit intimidated today, I have to say, <laughs> but I'll do my best. And uh first of all I would like to give a little disclaimer so um actually technically uh, this giveaway is not a draw because there is yeah. no free lunch so uh if you want a book you have to win it so um it's actually a competition and uh it's a it's a test and uh I prepared 12 questions and uh for every uh, question there is like one best answer and the uh the rule is that yeah, I will. Uh, I will send uh, all the participants uh, the answers after the test. So if you take uh, take part in the in the competition, then you will definitely learn something. And if you have one of the top uh, top five scores, then you also win a book. So good luck.
0: That that's great. That's even better. I think it's it's even cooler to have a competition.
1: And about my story, yes, actually, indeed, I did three different masters, and I have to say that. When I'm asked why I actually completed pre-masters, I have no idea why. (laughs) So (laughs) it's a, it was a bit, it was not a typical uh, study track because um, uh, at the University of Warsaw, uh, where my alma mater, uh, we had this one uh, very uh, non-typical study track called uh, Interfaculty Studies in Mathematics and Natural Sciences. And and students uh, of this uh, college uh, they had uh, this ability to uh, pick any any uh, courses from seventeen different majors in uh, in natural sciences so like from the very first day of my studies i could I had so many different options every door was open, and I could take any course i wanted and then in the end um for every diploma that was offered like there was a list of requirements so if you had mm-hmm. all the courses that were necessary for Complete that diploma, you could actually get on the master track and uh, write a master thesis and then defend it. So, okay, uh, it was really—it's uh, not common that people actually do three different uh, master titles. Most of the students still ended up with one, some mm-hmm. of them with two, and three is quite uncommon. But, uh, but it was, I think, a little bit easier than it would be if I was studying like in parallel so um, that was just a very very unusual environment and i was quite blessed that i could do study in this in this way um but it was a lot of study i have to say that i didn't sleep too much i was sleeping like two to four hours per day uh, in the working week for quite a few few years so i i still feel like when i think about it now i'm like i think you overdid a little bit you know like you didn't (laughs) you didn't really have to uh, all do all this um, but I really, I mean, I felt this was a lifetime uh, opportunity to um, to, and I wanted to make best out of it. So once mm-hmm. I was accepted for the college, I really wanted to uh, to, uh, to to uh, to do my best and to study to the best of my abilities. And this is how how it ended. Um, and I'm quite actually, I'm quite proud of myself. I have to say because at some point around fourth or fifth year. I had a crisis and i was like why am i doing all this like all my master projects were kind of started but i i was still it was still a long time before i was able to finish any of them and i had this period when i was like i'm not i don't know if i was able to finish this and and mm-hmm. uh, i had this i had this crisis so i i'm, I'm very uh, happy that i was able to get over it and finish and finish everything i was planning to um, and then, and then I I I moved to the Netherlands. Um, it was my big dream at that point. I really uh, saw myself as a, a brain researcher, like um, um, making uh, computational models of the human brain, mm-hmm. and I wanted to study how it functions, how these little neural cells can produce cognition and. Um, perception and and dreams and everything that we experience and that was just such a metaphysical problem and I I felt, I've also felt very well prepared for this because I had my technical education and I was... Mm. um, uh, I, I was a graduate from mathematics, I could program, uh, I was uh, I was also a graduate from physics, and I had uh, a little bit of knowledge about neurobiology from this psychology major, and, and I really felt, uh, this is for me, I like the topic, I have the background, I earned it, uh, I, I was working hard for it, and now I want to become a, a full-time researcher in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in neuroscience. So it was actually, at that point, it made perfect sense, um and we didn't have that many opportunities back then in Poland so I uh now we have a very very good labs. Uh, Warsaw is very strong uh, hub for neuroscience in Europe right now but 10 years ago it was still uh, in early stages so mm-hmm. and so I migrated to to the Netherlands and okay. uh, and uh, that was a good decision like uh, Donders graduate school it's one of the strongest in Europe um in this area so in human neuroimaging, it's very, very, very prestigious, very strong uh, research institute. Mm. Um, yeah, and then um, proceeding to the times uh, in the end of my PhD, actually, I mean, the, my process of getting disillusioned with academia was very, very long, I have to say, okay. because I'm very goal-driven. And for this whole like graduate school, I had this very... Uh, I was fixated on... Um, building this career and getting to uh to the bottom of the problem because i had very uh, very fundamental problem in my phd which was uh, how to um so my, my research topic was how to uh, build causal uh, model of the brain so how do different okay. parts of the brain communicate and how what are these causal nets within the brain and this is mathematically uh if you if you're working on a data from functional magnetic resonance imaging which was my project, this is like mathematically ill posed problem because it has this data is very inconvenient for this type of problem because of <coughs> the temporal dynamics of the fMRI signals and and this was a very, very hard problem to solve. So I was very fixated on this problem and this was like this monstrous problem. where I basically I was struggling with seven di- seven days a, a week and on vacations in my sleep you know I was very obsessed mm-hmm. with this problem <laughs> and um until the end of uh, of my contract I really didn't think about other options and even mm-hmm. after my contract uh, actually expired I felt um my phd was draining for many reasons like physically because it was really heavy uh, but also emotionally for many reasons I felt I felt very uh, really um exhausted so For the next year, I decided to give myself a gap year, so I could actually afford it to kind of calm down, focus on myself, uh, finish the research projects, because like in my fourth year, I started a bunch of new, often side projects, and I really wanted to to finish everything I started. And Mm -hmm. I felt I should just uh, calm down, uh, try other things, um, and just give myself time to recover from Mm -hmm. Uh, from all this madness during my PhD <laughs> when I was again uh, sleep deprived again just doing too mm-hmm. many things and I wanted to really um I didn't really think about leaving academia at that point I really saw this as a gap year mm-hmm. and I didn't I I, I thought uh, I thought about this uh like uh, about investment in my future as a researcher. So sometimes you have to slow down, take a second breath, and then mm-hmm. um, dive into the problem again. That's how I mm-hmm. saw this. Um,
0: kind of a kind of a sabbatical in a way, where you will you will recharge your batteries and prepare for to to restart after that. that yeah, was, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. It does look like you were really asking a lot of yourself, starting from the masters, and then that you never took a break. In the transition to the phd and that that you picked up the same rhythm or maybe even higher in the phd uh the, 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 am i understanding right
1: exactly it was uh, i was always just uh, doing too many things and and I, I i wanted to give myself this time to uh, to ev- even reflect on uh, on the last few years indeed mm. and uh, i also uh, at that point engaged got engaged in the um, um, organization of hum- for Human Brain Mapping um, Student and Postdoc Special Interest Group. That was a group of volunteers mm-hmm. that were organizing um, events um, dedicated to mentoring and careers okay. uh, for early career researchers within one of the biggest organizations for human brain mapping. So the whole organization is like 8,000 researchers all around the world. and And wow. uh, we were basically curating the events for for the early career researchers, which is like 53% of the population of this organization. So quite a lot a mm-hmm. lot of people. And I was um, coordinating an online mentoring program for that was a total of uh, three to 600 people. So it was actually wow. a lot of people to match uh, into mentor-mentee pairs. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I was organizing, um, co-organizing um, annual mentoring events at the annual meetings every year
0: and this just let me ask you this was during the phd or was was it something you picked up during the break
1: i actually picked it up uh, during the break so um yeah my phd contract ended in september 2017 and i started like as a member in october or november so just right after Mm -hmm. that i volunteered and i joined as a career development and mentoring manager so that Mm -hmm. was uh, that was my therapy (laughs) for the gap year (laughs) That was like self-administered therapy I I took, mm-hmm. and I I got to really like it. Uh, I I uh, I really did this as a this um, you know hobbistic um, activity, mm-hmm. and I didn't think about it in any ways uh, as a potential career for myself. I just uh, I just wanted to give something to the community to to recharge. But I also felt that my PhD project it was very individual, and I wanted to have more contacting people. I always mm-hmm. liked talking to people. I always liked uh, interactions and being uh, this mediating person between people. Mm-hmm. So I, fo- I felt now once once my contract is over, I can choose to do more of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now so, it's up to me how I spend my day. So I can choose to spend my day this way.
0: Mm-hmm. So Natalia, it, it looks like uh, I, I have a feeling of where this story is going but i'd really like to look a little bit more if if it's okay with you to look back at this the you know your masters and, and your phd and how that went uh you know just because i i think uh, there may be listeners out there who uh, like you are very driven and are maybe you know pushing themselves maybe a little bit too strong uh in terms of you know dedicating close to a hundred percent of their life of of their time to their, their projects, looking back and knowing what you know today and um, you know, and now having talked because you have your YouTube channel uh, where you talk with other researchers, would you, what would you say were, uh, because you talked about sleep deprivation and I think that's something that is easy to fall into. If you, you fall into this cycle of, Of uh, uh, let's say overworking and 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 being very driven, but to a to uh, an extent that's a little bit too much. If you could talk to the the Natalia in uh, in you know 2012, 2013, etc., what would you tell her uh, uh, to you know in terms of having a better balance or a healthier? Uh, a healthier uh, routine in her in the in her life, be it in the masters or the PhD.
1: Well, if I could meet Natalia from 2012, then the first thing I would say would be buy Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> because then I
1: wouldn't have to do anything anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't expecting yeah, that yeah. one, but yes.
1: <laughs> but yes, of course. I mean, if I if I could meet myself back then, I would say. Just run you know like if you if you feel that you are not you know if because the also the reason why I was putting more and more hours was because the project was not working, and the the reason the project was not working is that it was mathematically impossible, but then mm-hmm. once you have that pressure over you that you know it has to work, it has to work, and like people telling you you know this is this is normal this is a PhD project, PhD project is supposed to be challenging. And then you just mm-hmm. listen to that. You're like, yeah, of course, like it was supposed to be challenging. So you're putting more and more hours. But at some point, you have to do these sanity checks. If something doesn't work for independent reasons, you have to change it. If you cannot change the project, then, I mean, is it worth a few years of your life? Maybe sometimes it's better to just run and just start some new uh, mm-hmm. adventure somewhere else. And one thing I can tell all the PhDs, is you have to listen to your intuition. Mm-hmm. Your like all the courses, all the resources that are out there, all the like coaching services, everything that is available. Like even a podcast like this, this is an option you should use if you don't know what your intuition is telling you. First, mm-hmm. your intuition is always first, and only after. And, and and don't listen to your family and friends and everyone around you including your boss uh all that much as much as you listen to your own intuition because mm-hmm. if it tells you that something is clearly wrong then it's wrong and and and, and actually the things i regret the most uh, from this uh, point like from my current point of view is mm-hmm. these situations situations when my intuition was clearly telling me something and everyone around me told me out of this and i mm-hmm. i i don't really re- recall any situation when my intuition was actually wrong, and I, I this is something I, I regret the most. It was mm-hmm. actually workload. I think you know it's also the way you're raised. Actually, I'm raised in Polish culture, and it's a culture of work. This is how mm-hmm. I was raised, and it's also I was always working hard. Like even as a as a kid, you know, if you're a kid in Polish schools, as a as a eight, nine, ten year old kid, you already have so much homework that you come home at 4 a.m. 4 p.m. from school. And you have so much homework, then you sit uh, until 9 or 10 p.m. every day as like eight-year-old kid and you do your homework because from every class there is homework. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then there are tests. So over the weekends, you prepare for the tests. So even as a little kid, you already are in this culture where everything basically, you know, there's so much pressure to work hard. And Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like, for me, this is normal. So, you know, I cannot really say that I regret how much I worked. I would say that I was not working on the right right things. I was not mm-hmm. working on the right problems, and this is my regret.
0: I I, I really find I really love that you say that first uh, because. I myself come from Portugal and it's already a very different culture from, from where I, where I am today, you know, uh, and, and I've seen people where, you know, whenever you're in graduate school, you see people from different places and you see that people come, come with a different culture. And I really find it interesting that, that you mention culture as one big factor on uh, uh, that, that had influence on how you navigated all of this and, and on the, your work ethic, etc. It's really, really interesting. And I think it's, I don't think that it's a factor that's often taken in, in consideration when uh, when uh, welcoming foreign students for example in in a different country to to consider that the system and the graduate school considers the c- consider that they may have some some sort of cultural shock different um different uh, attitude towards authority etc cetera, etc cetera, that can have effects and, neg- and you know negative effects at different stages of a phd um but in your case it has to do with the work ethic and i think it's really interesting the thing you also you also mentioned uh the notion of um a, a sanity check which i i I, th- I think was really really interesting but just before we go to our uh, our, our short pause um also i really like the fact uh, that you said trust your gut, trust what you, you know, your gut is telling yourself. And I have just a small short question before we go to break. Did you have, you know, because of course, often, and again, depending on where you're from, this is going to be different, you know, typically in Portugal, Southern Europe, family will, will potentially, and I, it appears that maybe it may be the same for you, have a lot of, things to say about how, oh, what you should do, or you should, oh, you should go to medicine or you should, you know, f- and, and the fact that there's, there's this, uh, potential pressure coming from peers, coming from family makes me ask, want to ask you this thing. Did you have someone else around you that you could actually have these conversations with to kind of uh kind of motivate you to to listen to yourself or did you really feel kind of alone in this experience
1: well actually uh interesting that you're asking because i did uh, i don't really feel like i had mentors um so like honestly i don't think i'm a type of person that naturally feels authority mm-hmm. and i really don't don't Really follow specific individuals uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, in terms of like life advice, uh, it's more that uh, I think about the problem and then I think about who is the, who are the people in my network who are the most appropriate to ad- address with this particular problem. Mm-hmm. So like who are the, the top three people who might be the best uh, for for this particular question, uh, rather than just following one uh, master, one one mentor or some, you know, other type of Yoda type of figure to, to address <laughs> because they are just wiser. It's not, I don't, I don't really have that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and actually interesting because um, in the last year, actually I'm I'm writing my second book as well. And that book mm-hmm. is uh, about uh, the general principles for navigating yourself in the job market and uh, and how it happens that some people actually somehow manage to uh, actually uh, navigate themselves towards very interesting but rare professions. For instance, mm-hmm. no one will tell you at school to, that you should become a dream interpreter mm-hmm. or a, or a sex coach or a, or a chess player. And I, I know these people from daily life. And I'm like, how did it happen? Like they found this uh, career track for themselves. No one told them ever. And actually, when I talk to these people, it often it often comes out that they, they they had no mentors. Actually, that's something really interesting that I noticed that people who have like these rare professions, but they are perfectly happy with the, with their, uh, their jobs. Mm-hmm. And they often actually experience uh, lack of mentors. So mm-hmm. I think it's also, it's kind of correlated because if you don't really have that guidance, then you have to, um, to uh, be proactive and just throw yourself to deep water and try yourself with a lot mm-hmm. of things. And then you might discover things that no one told you at school. And that's, mm. I think... Think, uh, yeah. think independently and be, and be creative. Yeah, and that's something I also regret. That because um, in this academic uh, system, you often, you're in this bubble that you not, no long, not only spend long working hours um, in this uh, environment around the graduate school, but also mm-hmm. you start building friendships in the same circle. It's just uh, all your uh, world... Uh, all your life circulates around the uh, academic community. Yeah. And I feel that I didn't really... And I always, I honestly speaking, in my graduate school, I always felt a little bit misunderstood. I felt that my sense of humor is misunderstood. My, uh, like, views uh, from politics to, like, life in general. I, I never really felt that I, am like, you know... Um, I think in the same way as my peers from graduate school, but I didn't know what was wrong. Like, they were clearly intelligent. Like I couldn't really uh, comment on that part. Like that was nothing to do with intellectual capabilities. It was more with values, with um, yeah, way of making decisions. And mm-hmm. I, I I didn't really know what was wrong. But I always felt like this is not. I I feel something is uh, is not working. And 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 I, and I feel um, I should have perhaps go out, um, I should have perhaps m- spent more time just going out to meetups with other people from mm-hmm. outside my, my circles because I started doing that only after my contract expired and when I was in this gap year period uh, I started going to IT meetups to blockchain conferences to a lot okay. of other other events that had nothing to do with my PhD nothing to do with academia and and then I actually kind of had that realization that I am an entrepreneur, clearly. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of, mm-hmm. I, I joined this tribe of uh, people who have their own companies. And we were understanding each other, like, you know, without words, like, I was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. perfectly get why these people like, I, when I was hearing the beginning of the sentence, sentence I could finish the sentence, you know, like, <laughs> and I with people whom I never met before. And I was like, mm-hmm. I never knew that those people even existed. And and then I, it came to my mind that, um, yeah, it was just I do, I don't really feel that I really need mentors in my life that much, like these mm-hmm. uh, authority figures to follow. But but I kind of, um, yeah, maybe something I should, uh, should should have done earlier was to expose myself to people who are different from me,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then I would have discovered earlier that I actually am a type of a company owner, an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and I have that type of thinking.
0: In my interviews, there are two things that guests consistently mention as being central in having a healthy PhD journey. One of them is making an effort to explore and make connections in other departments, to widen your horizons in terms of what you reflect about, but also of who you meet and who you collaborate with. The second is finding a community, a tribe outside the lab, where you build relationships with like-minded people and that allows you to socialize, to cultivate your extracurricular interests and to stay healthy physically and mentally. This community can form around a sport, around a hobby, or around any interest you may have. In Natalia's case, it was entrepreneurship. I then went on to ask Natalia how that gap year transformed her and informed the next steps in her journey. And remember, the instructions for the giveaway of five copies of her book What is Out There For Me? The Landscape of Post-PhD Career Tracks are coming up, so make sure to stick with us until the end.
1: That's a very interesting question because, you know, um, what the neuroscience is about is basically investigating human brain. And we are very good with actually testing the brain in laboratory conditions when we can put mm-hmm. a stimulus on the screen and then ask a participant to respond to the stimulus. And we know what the human brain is doing on in the scope of seconds to minutes to maybe hours. Mm-hmm. But very little is known about what the human brain is doing over the period of months or years. Mm-hmm. And you know you experience these everyday little situations, and and uh, you meet new people. You have sometimes you have these like random thoughts when just sitting on the train, and you just ignore them. And then just you wake up every day like feeling like you're the same person as the day before, but in fact then one day later, one one year later, you kind of, one day you wake up and you're like, hey, I'm I'm not the same person as a year ago. And somehow Mm -hmm. like your brain is is just baking something all the time, somewhere in the back end and you don't even know what this is. But then at some point you just uh, wake up and discover that, hey, I'm not the same person anymore. And I think um, you know, when I was finishing my PhD contract, I definitely, I 100% Identified myself as a researcher, and I think even after a year, I still identified myself as a researcher. Even mm-hmm. though at that point, I already, I was already writing a, um, the documents to set my foundation, and I did in uh, November 2018, so a year after my PhD. And the foundation in the actually in the Dutch uh, um, system, foundation is a type of a company already, so you have to okay. learn about the taxes, about the uh, accountancy, and so it was kind of the, my first uh, company in some ways. It's just a mm-hmm. non-profit type of company, um, but I had to learn how to manage it. Um, uh, but, then, but but I still consider myself a researcher. And even even when I was uh, setting a company in July 2019, so it was over a year ago, I feel I feel I still felt more uh, like a researcher than as an entrepreneur. Um, although at that point I think I already had serious doubts if I ever will be a full time researcher again now Mm -hmm. but now I can definitely say that I can identify myself as an entrepreneur and uh, and an author and I I will never be um, full time researcher again Mm -hmm. and I'll definitely do research in some ways and even you know Field research is also type of research, and psychometrics is also type of research. It's just a very different type of research from what I was doing in my in mm. my PhD. It's much less. It's like more um, more heuristics, like more noisy information, because human factor is okay. always noisy. So, uh, and even if you want to um, come up with some quantitative measures to predict, for instance, predict what career path is best for you it's always going to be burdened with a lot of uncertainty it's it's just a proxy and it's you know mm. it's not a rocket science you can't come up with algorithms you can only no. <laughs> come up with some approximate measures but um but but it's still some some form of research so to some extent I will always have this element of a researcher in my mm. in in me but at this stage i'm perceiving i perceive myself as an entrepreneur but i i cannot mm. really tell you when was this precise moment it was a very long process and uh and i yeah there was no like just one moment when i took a decision this is it now i'm a company owner not a researcher anymore
0: okay so now i uh, i think what i really like to to talk about uh just you know at, in this more um the last let's say five or you know five or ten minutes of interview would be what what you're doing today and how you know how are how you are developing this aspect that you just mentioned of being an entrepreneur having come from the scientific uh, domain having come from from the bench from from research uh, and also I'd really love to hear about your your uh, uh, I can say recent experience starting a YouTube channel uh to do with uh, this interface between uh you being an entrepreneur but still having connections to research can you talk a little bit about that
1: thank you for for this question i um yeah actually uh, actually it's hard to uh, describe in one sentence what i'm doing and i think that mm-hmm. the best way to to uh to address this question <coughs> will be i am approaching a problem of phds in the job market because I think it's one of these professions where you do twenty different things that aim at solving the same problem and it's like everything from um talking to people and then recording uh movies putting them out there for for anyone to to enjoy on youtube mm-hmm. through writing books through um coaching through developing courses through de- through through developing new uh tools such as aptitude tests which I'm working on and uh, and and other um, yeah in the, in the in the future also other other instruments how people can actually help themselves in better uh, navigating through the job market and uh, and i'm sure i will come up with many many more in the future mm-hmm. because it's really it's a, what i it's actually what i like about doing this is that there are so many different ways uh, so many different avenues you can you can take so depending on what works best you can actually um in the future do yeah another 20 different things and <laughs> uh we'll see actually and, uh, and at some point i also embraced this um uh, embraced this um uncertainty so like when i used to be like uh, when i used to be a PhD student i i really i was fixated on this very precise vision of becoming a professor in neuroscience and it was very very precise um precise target mm-hmm. um and I was really like heading towards the target, and I was fully dedicated to that vision and now i'm I'm also very dedicated and I work a lot, but um, I don't know what, where I will be in five years, and it might mm-hmm. be I might be doing something completely different from what I'm doing now because I'm more oriented at the problems I'm solving. Mm-hmm. And who knows, uh, now actually I'm happy to see that this year and also the in the previous year, so since 2019, I think we have an um, increase in the amount of projects that are dedicated to solving this problem, so how to help PhDs in the job market. Uh, I, I'm very happy to see that your podcast uh, is running and uh, there are some other very interesting, very useful materials uh, mm-hmm. out there and uh, m- many people actually, so I'm, I'm I'm glad to see that this problem is noticed. And that many people work on it and independently, and who knows? Maybe uh, at some point um, there are, there will be a really good tools for PhDs to help them navigate, and uh, I won't be necessary anymore. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually at this stage, I, what I how I see myself is um, I'm basically first of all I'm trying to understand the job market because job market is like a huge ecosystem. It's not mm-hmm. just uh, I just don't. Try to think about jobs for PhDs as a separate category of jobs. So, job market is like a—it's one ecosystem. Uh, in and in this ecosystem, every one of us has some role to play. And there are certain—it's a bit like law, laws of physics. There, mm-hmm. there are certain rules how the value is distributed in the society. And um, there are certain rules that govern why certain salaries are higher than others. Which it's mm-hmm. all based on how your value and value of your work is perceived by the rest of the society. And uh, it's all based on these, uh, yeah, economic rules that uh, that uh, govern this uh, this uh, environment. And I'm just trying to understand how the job market shapes, how it evolves. What are the rules? What are the different types of uh, jobs, and what they actually. Entail and um, what type of person, skill-wise, uh, skills-wise, but also personality-wise, you need to be to actually thrive in that profession. And um, mm. and I think this is a more actually the problem of navigation in the job market is a more general problem. It's not only a problem of PhDs, but also actually friends who uh, from my undergrad studies who never went for PhDs they often ask me exactly the same questions as PhDs. So Mm. I think this is a very general problem. People are actually, they really feel lost in the job market. Uh, And the job market is actually changing uh, faster than ever. So at the same time, we actually spend more and more hours at work, and we are working harder than ever. Um, And that gives us less and less time to really think about ourselves and explore other options, because our like uh, we have less and less quality time and less and less time to actually reflect on ourselves, but at mm-hmm. the same time the world is changing faster and faster, and it's it's very very hard to um, to basically keep up with your own opportunities and really notice them, and also like human life is short. You you how can <laughs> you you know there there is definitely something. Like I think it's true for everyone that somewhere out there there are better options, but we just don't know about them because we just don't have that infinite amount of time to really go out there and try everything. So of like, course. how to actually choose well? That's uh, yeah, li- life is just too short to try everything. So mm-hmm. uh, so like, that's also I feel really uh, responsibility to re- just understand this problem and come out, come up with some um, effective solutions that will help people actually make better decisions.
0: Life is short. Too short to not have a strategy when you're exploring career options. As Natalia mentioned, this question of where do I fit in the job market and of what job will I be fulfilled in and will be best aligned with my values can be a tough one to crack. I asked Natalia what the key factors were in her opinion in the context of career exploration.
1: Well, I think... um, One thing is like, I I will not be very original if I will say that you have to network because I think this is like uh, advice, piece of advice, number one, that (laughs) I I guess almost uh, every career advisor will will tell you, but I think it's really, you have to really understand this, that your social capital is the same asset as your money in the bank. It's Mm -hmm. really, because what money is, is basically a measure of your freedom and of your safety. If you need something, then you can buy it. If you need, if you're sick, uh, you, you need um, operation or medication, you can get it. If you're tired, if you feel burnt out, you can take vacation, go to Thailand. This this is what money is. Most mm-hmm. people don't care if they, you know, if they have Lamborghini in their garage. Like, it's just, uh, this is not the need we have. We ha- The needs we have is, is just uh, to need, a need to be safe and a need to be free. This mm-hmm. is, uh, and this is what money can buy us. And the same with social contacts. Your social contact is your capital. If you if you are in trouble, if you need a job, you just activate your contacts and mm-hmm. then you have it much, much faster than you would otherwise. So just it's very, very important. Is really the same? Well, it's not the same, but it's like the same important type of asset to have the broad network of personal contacts in industry as to have money in the bank. It's mm-hmm, just a uh, non-material. You cannot really quantify it the same way, but it's the same important for your well-being. So it's very, very, very crucial. Um, and other than that, I think, yeah, this is like what I already said before. I think you are your best advisor. You have to get to know yourself. And actually, I have to say that um, when I work with people, when I uh, give courses and, and coach uh, coach uh, people, I, I'm always amazed like people not knowing themselves. It's Mm -hmm. like 30-year-old, super intelligent people who spend all their youth reading books and they're so intelligent, but then I can ask them, what do you like? And it's like panic, you know, in their eyes, it's like, (laughs) you know, how can you never think about this, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, for the next week, you have to do this homework and then there's a list of questions you have to answer about yourself. And these Mm -hmm. are just very, very, very basic questions. And people spend so little time on this self-reflection, and I I did that too, actually. I I, I didn't ask myself many very important questions, and important Mm -hmm. questions such as, what types of stress are you resilient to? Do you actually like the deadlines, or are you afraid of deadlines? Uh, Do you like leading people? or are you afraid of leading people very simple questions but some people are motivated by the same things that other people are scared of or stressed mm-hmm. by so it's it's really you have to 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 find yourself in the right place on the job market first of all you have to be your own best friend you have to be your own advocate and you have to know yourself best so it's really it's a lot of work and you have to do this work on yourself and the self discovery part is very very important because mm. you and your job is like two pieces of a puzzle like you have to know your strengths and weaknesses and you have to perfectly fit it to the job because every job has its perks and every job has its uh, shortcomings so you have to you have to find this perfect match and and you have to know both pieces you have to also know yourself and i really mm. i really like this concept that people um what I, what I feel like is I'm trying to empower people I'm trying to make them independent that they can actually steer themselves and navigate themselves and I think um, getting to know yourself better than anyone else does know you is the first step this is the, probably the most important part because only then you are able to make the right choices
0: mm-hmm. uh, Natalia I'm, I'm really I've really enjoyed and, uh, and uh, we could anyway uh, we could talk longer uh, because you have a lot to, uh, a lot to say that that is a value I, I feel and uh, anyway I, I i really enjoyed what what you've said i i have kept silent a lot of the interview because there was you were saying so many things that were on point that were very interesting uh, you know points of view that that i uh, i hadn't thought of some of them uh, so I, I i really want to thank you for that because um it's it's really, it's really cool to have someone who has, who you can feel when they're talking that they have given a lot of thought into into this question, that they have had, you know, practice uh, talking and coaching other people because it it does come out in what you have to say.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I I hope I didn't it doesn't didn't see, it sounds too preachy actually. It's like, no, when no, I get no, to this topic, I'm really like I really want to say you know um, I could say a lot I mean mm-hmm, its it's, just, it's also it's this type of topic it's it's bigger than life, you know this is mm-hmm. something very, very important. <laughs> it's actually also I, I, when I feel sometimes I feel like I'm extremely lazy person because I really have to f- have this feeling that I'm kind of saving the world you know this, the, <laughs> the thing I'm doing is so important uh, and it's, it's the most important thing in the world to do. Uh, because otherwise, I'm like, yeah, um, why to even, you know, jump out of bed in the morning, you know? It's like, <laughs> so actually, I feel like I really have to um, uh, work on something that I feel, yeah, this is this is actually, I'm saving the world today, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you have then, a sense uh, of mission, mm-hmm. indeed. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes, I, sometimes I feel um, people who don't have that necessity, that they, they don't have that need, they have such a so much easier life, you know, if, <laughs> uh, if they can be happy just uh, making a good uh, paycheck and having a good vacation with uh, family and i know people like that and like i know very intelligent nice people who just don't have that need to uh, make something to do something for a living that is uh, mm-hmm. important for the society I-, I wish i was like that sometimes but uh, but i was hardwired in another way so um
0: yeah we are how we are, and, and I, I really appreciate the, the, in this last year, having started the podcast, uh, the fact that I could, can meet people like you who have this sense of mission, because it, it for sure, for me, it's something that's important to have a project that helps someone, the, you know, in the real world. Uh, it, it is, uh, it is something that, that's really dear to me and that, that, uh like you say that uh it helps me get up in the morning and and uh and and have this this sense of okay let's uh let's do this and uh, and let's let's put out another episode let's talk about another another person about another project but you know the, the world is like that uh and it's 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 made of different different types of people and uh, in the end it's a the the, it's the mix that works the fact that you have different type of people in teams in in families in societies. so (laughs) yeah
1: uh, well uh, i think we are made of the same clay uh, honestly
0: (laughs) yeah i think we we, there's there's some uh, some connection there natalia we will have to to finish but not before uh talking a little bit about the giveaway can you just uh Talk a little, bit, uh, you know. Explain a little bit again how how it works, what the rules are. Let's say uh, what the the time frame uh, it is that it's going to to happen in, and then share the link where people can go and uh, and uh, and and answer the test.
1: Yes, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, the rules are very simple. So you guys have uh, almost a whole week uh, until eleventh November midnight Amsterdam time. Uh, To uh, fill the test, and then after that, we'll uh, announce the results um, and the winners uh, in the next episode, right? Uh, In the yes. Um, So um, yeah, so in a week you'll know uh, if you want the book or not. Mm -hmm. And um, this is yeah, this is very simple, 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 yeah, simple deal. Like just Mm -hmm. uh, answer the questions as well as you can, and and then um, uh, good luck.
0: Yeah. And uh, uh, actually, what, I, what I'll do is I'll uh, post the winners, uh, the names of the winners on social media because uh, the, the, the episode that comes next is an episode in French. So, I'll, you know, I'll, I can repeat them on the other episode in English. But the day after the you know, midnight, uh, like you mentioned, I will post who, who are the five uh, happy winners of, of the, the giveaway. So here's what you need to do head over to papaphd.com forward slash giveaway and answer Natalia's quiz to enter for one of the five books she's offering. And make sure to follow Papa PhD on Twitter, at Papa PhD Podcast, so you don't miss the announcement of who the lucky winners are next Wednesday. Good luck! Natalia, now... Where can people find you online? Uh, you know your YouTube channel. How how do they find uh, how do they find it? Can you share those links and those uh, handles if you're on social media too? Uh,
1: of course, um, yes. So um, you can find me uh, on social media under my uh, name, uh, or you can find uh, Welcome Solutions, uh, my company. So uh, the the YouTube channel is called Welcome Solutions. Uh, easy mm-hmm. to find. And uh, we also have a page on LinkedIn and a page on Facebook and recently also a page on Instagram. And um, we are posting the updates from the company and we are also... So uh, if you you take a look, you will also see sometimes we have uh, some interesting uh, new initiatives. So if you follow us on one of these platforms, then uh, you will not miss out. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, me myself, I'm also on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. just my private account. Uh, so you please, uh, if you would like to follow what I'm doing, then, and I also, of course, I'm very open to uh, to chat. So you can find me through LinkedIn or Twitter or or Facebook, and uh, we have we can have a chat about careers. Um, so I'm uh, I'm open to new contacts. Uh, well, I was talking a lot about networking in this uh, mm-hmm. in this episode, so uh, let's network. <laughs> so I will be disappointed if I don't get any new invitations on LinkedIn after this uh, podcast. I will feel like I didn't really my pedagogic skills were very low if I didn't get any invitations. So guys, like if you want to connect with me, just do it. I'll, I'll be very happy to get uh, new contacts and uh, get to meet you.
0: And uh, I can confirm, Natalia, Natalia is very responsive. So so if you if some uh some of what natalia shared during this interview resonated with you uh raised questions just hit you know hit her up she's gonna respond and uh and uh you know and, and she's she's really fun to talk to natalia thank you so much for having accepted my invitation for having been on, on papa phd it's it's been really a great pleasure
1: thank you so much thank you so much again and always pleasure to talk to you Um, and I hope we meet soon on some other occasion actually uh, um, Papa PhD was also a guest at the uh, Welcome Solutions uh, channel recently so if you're actually curious so I can see that he's not very um, vocal about his own story here at this podcast so if you're curious (laughs) about uh, his career and his uh, very interesting career path so far then Mm. uh, please take a look at our YouTube channel and um, take a look at this episode, very interesting one. So I can totally recommend uh, checking it out.
0: That is true. But Natalia on Papa PhD, it's all about you. Uh, but uh, well, thank, thanks for the, the, the shout out and the mention. And, uh, and uh, yeah, if you're curious about my story, I had a great conversation with Natalia on, on her channel. So just just look for my face and, and uh, you'll you'll be able to hear it. So, yeah, thanks again and uh, and, uh, all the best for your projects. Thank you so much. And now for the weekly podcast discovery segment, I present you with trailers from two shows you might find interesting. Jolly Green Scientists and Curiosity Cake. Give them a listen and say hi for me. Roll the tape. Hi, my name is Airfon with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. And I'm Vikram with Texas Tech University. And we are the Jolly Green Scientists, bringing you information from scientific literature and popular science articles related to the green industry straight into your
1: eardomes. Each week we'll take one or two papers that we found interesting and shared with each other and we'll discuss them uh, in terms that anyone can understand.
0: And even though we'll do it every week, we're only going to share it with you bi-weekly. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was always one of those curious kids. I had the chemistry set, a microscope, a telescope. I would take my toys apart to see how they worked. And now that I'm a
0: grown-up, I still have that huge sense of curiosity. If you too are an adult who was a curious kid, then Curiosity Cake is made for you. I'm your host, Lee Delaney.
1: Join me as I talk to the best minds from academia and elsewhere to bring you accessible and engaging conversations across a wide range of topics with no prior knowledge
0: required. I'll be asking questions such as, can nuclear fusion become a viable source of sustainable clean energy? Is it possible to create careers that fit our interests and personalities? And how can we know how to eat well with so much conflicting nutrition
1: information? You can enjoy a slice of Curiosity Cake by subscribing on your
0: favourite podcast app or via the website curiositycake.co.uk. All you need is a cup of tea and a fork. And that's it for this week. Thank you for being a true fan. I'll be expecting you next week with another great guest, so happy listening and happy sharing. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD podcast. Head over to papaphd.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non academic post grad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas, and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests.